Le seul podcast sur le PSG en anglais. Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your very exhausted host, Ed. Joining me today, we have James out in the Bay Area and Carl Oscar out in, uh, we're Sweden, right? Yeah, north of Sweden, Vimeo. Okay. Yeah, it's been we've had you guys both on before, uh, but it's been a while. But what better occasion to talk about PSG's draw, 1-1, but advancement in the Champions League to the next round over Barcelona. Um, it was a nervy game. I wanted to turn it off at times. It was frustrating to watch. Um, this did not look like a team that I was familiar with. It was not the tactics that I thought Pochettino would go with. There's a lot of talking points here, but I just want to open it up to both of you and get your just initial thoughts of what it means for PSG to advance. And if you want to kind of just high, you know, overarching thoughts on the game itself, and then we'll, we'll kind of drill down into particular moments of the game, but just your overall thoughts, James, we can start with you. Yeah. I, I think uh, we were talking a little bit off air beforehand and, you know, I kind of echo the sentiments that a lot of PSG fans have, which is thank God we survived. Um, because this was a nervy game to say the least. And I was kind of going back and forth with a few people on, on Twitter, um, uh, just as the game was progressing and, you know, and I'm sure we'll get into it, but PSG are always playing this like two-sided game. We're playing in the opponent and we're playing ourselves. And a lot of times we are defeating ourselves because we have the, the level of talent. Like Barcelona was playing with a bunch of old guys and kids that you don't know. So there's no reason why that game should have been as close as it was. But, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, we will definitely get into it. And there's a, a few of the kids that here in America we might be familiar with. Serginio Dest, and uh, he plays for the U.S. men's national team. But you're right, there's a lot of kids on that team and then Messi. Um, Carl, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? And just how exhausted are you after watching that? Is it what you expected? I mean, football is called like a game of two halves, right? And that's in, in large part what it was. Uh, it, it wasn't a dominant Barcelona in the first half and a dominant PSG in the second. No, but we had it, it, the, the profile of the game completely shifted. And it, it took me like 15, 20 minutes in the second half to just not be as angry at the team because I was genuinely disappointed at the team during that during that first half it was at times worse worse than uh, four years ago uh in barcelona it was just no energy uh late to every ball misplaced passes just nervousness all around uh, and that, that changed in the second half uh much more discipline not good but we played football at least uh so yeah i'm completely exhausted uh but we made it through, so I'm very, I'm very happy. At the end of the day, it's all about putting the ball into the back of the net, scoring more goals than the other team over two legs and advancing. And I guess if you just look at that, PSG did the job. But, I mean, from, from kickoff, so let, we're going to get into it now. From kickoff, it was clear. PSG were going to sit back. 
Barcelona were coming forward, and they just created chance after chance after chance. It yep. was Dembele, and if he had, he had a nightmare of a game in front of goal. If he finishes any of those, I mean, we PSG are in serious trouble. That's how many chances created. I mean, it could have been four nil at halftime. It probably should have been if Barcelona could finish any of these chances. Um, James, we'll go back to you. I mean, do you think that? Pochettino, this was his tactic to sit back. Did do you think he expected it to be this bad? I don't know. I believe that he had some defensive schemes in his pocket, but I don't believe that you know he intended for this team to park the bus or be as nervy as they were. I mean, we watched the Porto game yesterday, and for the most part, Porto parked the bus like. I was even out on the pitch defending. That's how many people they had defending, you know, in the box. But that at no certain point in time uh, did Porto feel like they didn't have the game in hand. And they ended up winning the game. And so I think in contrast, you know, PSG were playing for time. And this is not a team that does well when we do that. But I think there's something to be said there about the way in which this team plays Barcelona specifically in these sorts of situations. I think this is a very unique situation. If like if PSG were playing Liverpool, I think this would be a different game. PSG were playing Chelsea or City, this is a different game. Even if you have the same score, there's just something about this Barcelona team that brings back those memories of the remontada. And so you're playing to not repeat those past mistakes. Because we didn't see that free-flowing football until like the 84th minute when Barcelona was getting tired. And then you started to see the space open up. And now you're starting to see, you know, Mbappe finally making a run at the goal. And he like, he missed it, but whatever. Like, that's the kind of ball that you expect. But you can see the transition happen after the players kind of realize that they have the game in hand. I think like the bench unloaded for Barca and then they started to sort of find their rhythm. You know, even from a defensive standpoint, like when Messi was standing in front of the goal, he could have made that. And just the 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 acumen and the discipline that was displayed in that play was not seen earlier in the game. And so I think at that point in the game, everyone sort of was able to release that albatross off their shoulders and play PSG football. And so I think, you know, Pouch probably had a conversation with them. I'm sure Neymar got in their ear and said, hey, y'all, come on, you know, because you can see the transition from night to day. I I will, you know, give him one strike as it pertains to the starting lineup because I have no idea why you're giving Draxler Rafinha's minutes. And I have no idea why Kozawa was still out there on a card knowing how volatile the situation can be. He had a card. It was in, in the, the eighth minute. minute? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it was. It was within ten minutes. He had a card. Like, what in the hell is going on right now? You know. And so I think those kind of mental errors set the tone for the remainder of that half. And once we came out in the next forty-five, it was a bit, a bit of an adjustment that had to take place. But you can really see that team start to turn on, and the lights kind of start clicking as we move closer to the eighty-fifth, eighty-seventh minute. Carl, I want to. I'm looking at these stats. Someone took a screenshot in the 83rd minute, and you're talking about Barcelona with 776 passes to PSG's 286. You had 10 shots on target, 19 shots overall. I mean, the statistics are so one-sided to Barcelona. 
there's no way that Pochettino drew it up like this. I think we talked about maybe he wanted to park the bus. Maybe he wanted to sit back. But for it to be this one-sided, what the hell happened? I mean, it's on the players, or do you put this on, on the manager? We have seen this kind of performance before from PSG, namely in, in that 6-1. Uh, that's the one that stands out. I'm not sure... I don't think that was a plan uh, from Emery back then. I don't think that was a plan from Pochettino now. It feels like it, it was the players who just crumbled. It's hard to know, but that's my hunch. That's a problem, we'll isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's a big problem. And that's why I'm a bit hesitant to celebrate. Uh, because that me, I, I don't think that's something that just disappears. Just because yeah. you won a game. That kind of mentality, mentality is still there and could pop up uh, in the coming textures. Probably not in Liga, but um, let's say we're in a dicey situation in the semifinals versus a good team. Um, so, yeah, that, that's troubling. Like, it, it's hard to sit there and speculate what the reason was, but I... I it's most likely it's the players uh, with, with this, uh, and of course, uh, just just doesn't fall in the place. It's, it's a team effort uh, in terms of coaching, in terms of playing, that kind of stuff. And, and did I see you had a, a couple hot takes on Draxler, or you agree with James that there's no way he should have been starting? Uh, I, I was surprised it was when, I, when I saw the lineup. I didn't know what to think. I, I assumed that Di Maria wasn't available. He, he, he like he physically couldn't play that long. Okay, fine. But is then Draxler the one to go to? Mm, maybe not. I really, really like Rafinha. I think he puts in a great shift defensively. Draxler is okay-ish defensively, but not great. Uh, positionally, he can be a bit all over the place, and he can lose, lose focus. Uh, he does that quite a lot uh, defensively and just loses his man, and then uh, opponents have a numerical advantage uh, in the middle of the park. Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, He's going to be yeah. gone this summer. I guess we're trying to get something out of him for all the money we paid him. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's unfortunate, you know. I think he can play maybe five to ten minutes, you know, give you a little bit of something in a league on match. But I think the quality of a Barcelona side, you you have to have somebody who is not afraid of that moment. And I will say the substitution for Di Maria, the, the minutes that he put in were really good. You know, he put in a decent shift. I don't know his... Um, in terms of his form right now, um, but he certainly did what he could, connected on a few passes, and gave you that veteran quality that you need to to really seal that that match um, because we we just didn't have it. I think we were in the chat. We were talking about like um, Acardi. He kind of fell flat today, um, and then like I think he had one one shot on 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 target or. He had a goal that went or a shot that went over the bar, and I'm just like, man, he would have put that in the back of the net, you know. So we, I'm I'm happy that we have that quality of depth on the bench that we can throw into a, a match at any point. I just think everybody was playing scared. I think everybody was in fear for their lives, and you know, it didn't help that that messy wonder goal that was a a damn rocket on on his boot. 
um, that really, you know, put fear in a lot of uh, players and fans alike. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let's get into the goals. We'll talk about that one because there was a goal that came before that. And as bad as PSG played and Navas bailed PSG out time after time. And I mean, for me, he was the man of the match, him and the guy that pulled yep. the uh, alarm, which apparently was a uh, fellow contributor, Matt, uh, PSG Taurus. He's, he's taking credit for that. But um, that first goal was Icardi. At first, it looked like he just dove. But he like screamed really loud, and then you looked at it on replay, and it did look like he got this Achilles clipped a little bit there, and 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 penalty was given to PSG, and Mbappe converted it. Just want to get you guys' thought on this rule. We saw Barcelona got a penalty like this. Kurzawa wasn't even looking; it was accidental. Are you guys okay with these kind of penalties being given out? I know they're part of the rule, but like for me, I feel like it's something. If if it's a penalty like that, maybe a free kick outside the box, like to award an automatic, basically an automatic goal for something so cheap, seems a bit much, especially in football where goals are at a premium. I mean, talk about the incident and maybe just the bigger situation. Is should that be a penalty? And we can start with Carl this time. So, so we had essentially the same situation, well, a similar situation in the first leg with uh, Frenkie de Jong uh, and Chris, uh, yeah, right. uh, kicked him, uh, which of course led to the Messi penalty uh, in that game, uh, and it was a similar situation here. It is by the rule book that is a penalty. No discussion asked. The the discussion whether it should be a penalty. I think it's hard to not give it. Uh, just because if if you have a situation where uh, you have an inten- uh, an unintentional foul, it, there is no intent in it whatsoever, but it actually stops a goal from being produced. True. Yeah. So imagine if you had imagine if you had a ball coming into Icardi, which was much better placed, uh, and Kemo Longley didn't mean to uh, sort of clip his heel. He would still have fallen, but I mean, PSG would be down, like, we wouldn't have the goal. We should have. I think that's that's why it's there. Uh, it 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 will feel sort of cheap for the team that uh, concedes it, but I, I'm not sure you can change it unless you have a lot of different provisions within the rule with ex- exceptions and that kind of stuff. Yeah, you'd have to give the referees even more power and more decision to judge on intent and things like that. And we've already seen that most referees are incompetent as it is. So let's not give them more power. But yeah, it feels kind of cheap. Um, I felt that in the first game and I even tweeted. I was like, I don't like that. I don't like that we scored that way. I don't like it. Uh, James, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you... um, if if it goes in your favor, you you're you're for it. If it doesn't, then you, you have an argument. So you can't have it both ways. Um, I think the players just have to be very aware of what's going on in the box, especially the center backs. Just how people can try to take advantage of it. I think in this case, I mean, we give VAR a lot of crap, but I think in these cases, it it allows you to get it right so that it's not in the hands of the ref. Because, you know, that can be devastating, especially if it's a ref that's like carrying favor with your opponent. So I I think you just have to take it as it goes. You know, I don't think it's something that, you know, I'm going to rally against like, oh, man, like even even if, you know, we didn't get that call today, I'm still fine with it. You know, I'm still fine with it. So as long as VAR is in place 
to ensure that all the cameras are checked, all the angles are checked in accordance to what the referees are saying as well. Um, I think it's fine. It's just it's just annoying when it doesn't go in your favor. Yeah, and see, you said that Icardi fell flat today. In this case, it was good that he fell flat. He got us the penalty. But even with the goal, uh, PSG or Barcelona, I should say, still needed four goals um, in order to send this thing to extra time. And you alluded to it, Messi, with that rocket. I mean, if that's his last Champions League goal uh, for Barcelona, that's a hell of a way to go out. Um, not a whole lot that Navas could do about that. That thing was knuckling. If you're a baseball fan, you'll know what like a knuckleball is. That thing was moving. Yeah. And uh, he was – Navas was just phenomenal on the night. So I don't fault him, even though it was a shot from distance. I don't think too many keepers are going to keep that out. So um, we can gloss over that because after that went in, I said the mission for PSG has to be get to, get to halftime 1-1. One, uh, one, one. And then Krizawa, our friend, on a yellow, gives up. An awful penalty. His leg is up high. I think it was on De Jong, and and um, so penalty. And so <laughs> Messi steps up, and Navas comes up with a phenomenal save, play of the game. Yeah, we're just opening it up, um, James. Just in general, Navas erect the statue, right? I mean, this guy was amazing. <laughs> put the statue in front of my house. That's right. The statue in front of my house. Okay, like that's. It, I guess you can you can contrast Messi and Navas in this game in terms of what veterans do when it is time to step up. And this was a game where Navas had to step up just like it was a game where Messi had to step up. And both of them did their jobs. And so you can just like this is why we have legends, you know, for for matches like this. We want a crowd in Mbappe right now but he will be the guy he will be the guy but this is still Messi's town this is still Navas's town this is still like those legends town you know the idea that Messi could do that is still insane to me now he might not be able to do it as frequently that's a different story I mean we saw Ronaldo try to give it his all yesterday you cannot beat time you just you cannot and so as a result the, as the as our veterans and our legends age, they need more creativity around them, which is why you know Messi leaving and all of that is a totally different subject. But I think just in terms of the shift that Navas put in and the ability to stop that goal, along with like everything else that he stopped today, I mean, I think Dembele had a few shots on target that Navas like put an end to, which is insane. I think uh, Griezmann had this uh, volley that he like. Sp- did a 360 in the air and knocked it off the back of his head and it was going in goal and and Navas caught it. Like, he was phenomenal today. And that's what you need. And I'm proud of this team from that perspective that on any given match, someone can step up and be that difference maker. I just want our superstars to be much more consistent on a day-to-day basis as well. Yeah, Carl, talk to me. I mean, in, in 2017, when we lost 6-1 to Barcelona, I think it was Kevin Trapp in goal. I mean, goalkeepers matter. They're, they're paid for a reason. And we saw tonight that without Navas, this game is ugly. It's out of hand. And PSG get embarrassed to the point where I think they just need to stop existing as a club if you give up another lead like that against Barcelona. And, and Navas to the rescue. So talk to me about his performance what it means to have a keeper of his stature and how stupid Real Madrid looks for letting him go. Yeah. 
Uh, first of all, Kevin Trapp, beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, not a great yeah, goalkeeper. He is indeed. Uh, not a great goal- goalkeeper. Um, I just want to add something just very quickly about Leo Messi. Uh, absolute sort of, I, I'm not playing him, but honored to play against him, have our team play against him. Best player ever. Great performance tonight. Just amazing, amazing player. Uh, Navas. He was chronically, chronically uh, disrespected at uh, Real Madrid. Uh, not necess- necessarily by their, by their core fans, because I, I know a lot of people appreciate them, but uh, by the general public. Some, somehow he got o- always got overlooked. It was always the Gea back then, you know, when, when the Gea was really good. Uh, but he always got overlooked. And then he got replaced by Courtois, who, to be fair to him, has done a much better job uh, this and last season. But Navas has been a top, top goalkeeper for seven-ish years. He's been really good for Costa Rica. I remember 2014 in the World Cup. He was really good. Um, he's just incredibly, incredibly solid. Uh, and probably one of the savviest moves, uh, tra- transfer-wise, uh, from PSG uh, during the QSI era. Just picking up top three goalkeeper in the world uh massively improving on a uh on a on a position that has been quite uh hard sort of to fill where you you've gone from Sirigu to Alfonso Ariola to uh Kevin Trapp etc etc so he just I, I think we forget about him as well because he's a goalkeeper uh and we probably shouldn't as much, but he's he did an amazing job tonight, and he almost always does. Yeah, we'll have to see what the French papers give him as in terms of rating. But I was just looking on who scored, and they gave him an eight point six man of the match. Just you know, with no Neymar, he stepped yes, up. That right. Yeah, he he stepped yes, up. Right. Yeah, yeah, he would, he would add a ten. Uh, you know, outside of that goal, I know how they like mm-hmm. try to knock you a few points for that. But I mean, like, come on, man, you yeah. weren't catching. No one was catching that. That that thing. What was... I will say is, I was oh, sorry. No, yeah, I was quite about, um, it, it was probably going go, going along with everything else that happened in the first half. But how much he just punted the ball. I, I'm not. I'm not putting that down to him. Uh, I'm probably has something to do with the team or the coaching. But uh, he didn't play as much with his feet as he used to. Just just point that out. But it could be just a lack of mobility from the other players to show themselves in space and that kind of stuff absolutely um and then halftime came we all took a deep breath and uh i don't know what happened but the second half was completely different but i want to get your take on it so the first change that was made uh pochettino took off kurzawa which we were all wanting to happen and he brought in diallo who i thought played really well um a lot of people were kind of iffy about him but he he's been putting in pretty good shifts here um uh, in recent games so i thought he did well um i thought we talked about it already but the Di maria when he came in for draxler in about the 60th minute i thought he was a game changer um let's just talk about substitutions james did they did pochettino make the changes that you were looking for i know the squad was a little bit not what it usually is with keen out with uh covid and neymar injured but with what was available do you like what pochettino did in the second half I started the game by asking why was Draxler in. I started the game asking that question. And so when as halftime approached, I said on Twitter, hey, they need to they need to get Kurzawa out of there and they need to get Draxler out of there. 
And what happened in the 45th minute? Yeah, so I made a call to Pochettino. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I think understanding players' DNA and styles takes time as a manager. And Pochettino hasn't had that amount of time to see those players in those kinds of situations. And so as a result, you're kind of playing them based on what you've seen and what they've shown on the training grounds. And as a result, now you get a real understanding of their flaws and their shortcomings so that I don't believe that Poch would do that again. Fortunately, he was an intelligent enough manager to not you know, say, well, it's my way or the highway, you know, this is my game plan, I'm sticking to it, I'm going to keep them in. He automatically knew, okay, I got to cut these guys out. And I think that's an improvement in terms of managerial focus that we haven't had in the past. Like, Tuchel would have kept them in until, like, the 80th minute or, you know, we've gotten scoring on a few times. And then, you know, Tuchel made a lot of um, substitutions based on how the other team was, you know, playing us as opposed to trying to go for the win. And I think once we saw Danilo came in, De Maria came in, Krizawa went out, so Diallo came in. So now we're starting to have those fresh legs and a bit of that rotation happening. I think we started to see us open up as a unit. Um, even if you look at the spacing in the first half, versus the second, there was a lot more spacing happening. There was a lot more fluid passing, diagonal passing happening in that second half. Guys started to feel a little bit more comfortable on the ball. Um, you know, Barcelona was still tough. You know, they were still fighting for their lives, but I think we started to get a bit more comfortable in the match. Um, even started to play like a little higher up of, um, in terms of our line which left us a bit exposed in the back because Messi was able to get on that right side a few times and start to orchestrate. He just didn't have the talent that he needed to execute the plan. But um, overall, really good. I think I don't, I don't know who else I would have substituted, but I'm, I'm glad those changes happened early because it shows a manager who knows, okay, hey, this was wrong. Let me get these guys out of here. I respect that. I respect that for sure. Who was it? Ali, uh, the Manchester United um, manager. He left a, a player in too long in the group stage. Who was it? Do you guys remember who that was? And it ended up costing them? Uh, against us? Yeah, against us. He left a player in and ended up getting a... Oh, a friend. That's it, yeah. We, it could have had a Fred situation where Kazawa picked up a second card and we go down to 10 men and then it's just a complete shit show. Um, but you're right. I mean, Pochettino made the right decision. So, um, and Pochettino yeah, took... Ole shouldn't be... <laughs> go ahead. Ole shouldn't be, be managing, to be honest. That's our fault because we should have handled business yeah. uh, against United uh, that, that won Champions League. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have a job right now. So that's on us. <laughs> every time he messes up, every time something happens that United, United fans... That's why they I hate apologize us. on behalf of PSG for sticking you with that manager. That's our fault. Yeah. He should have been out of here. Yeah. Well, our manager took full advantage of the uh, the new substitution rules. Made was it five subs? It looks like Carl. What did you think of those subs? I mean, if you look at the bench, Ander Herrera and Sarabia and Carer are maybe the the yeah. three biggest players who didn't get to come in. But do you like what the subs uh, that Poch made? Uh, 
the, the, the only one that I would sort of in the moment would have chosen, uh, like, I, I would have picked uh, Tilo Kerr uh, over Colin Dagba just because of his Champions League experience. And at right back, he's... That's a really good point. He, he's pretty good at right back, but, but Dagba did well. Like, just with the benefit of hindsight, I wouldn't have, but if I, in that situation, I would have put him in. But Abdul Diallo, what a player. I mean, he's fantastic. Uh, I've been on the Diallo train all along since he signed. Uh, so I, I got to pat myself on the back for that one. Uh, but he, he's a fantastic player for a defender who plays both, both centrally and on the left. His technical ability is crazy, is un, it's unmatched. His dribbling is just yeah. crazy. It's better than most uh, offensive uh, left backs. It's just mind mind-boggling. He he backheels <laughs> uh, he backheels the ball in in a very tense situation inside the box. Just lifts it up, take takes possession in possession. He was very very calm. I was like, why does he hate me? Why is he doing this? I mean, it was great. He pulled it off, but I was like, man, you're killing me. <laughs> But like that, that was the only thing to do in that situation. That was the only way to get the ball from there. So truly amazing sort of cameo. And after Navas, probably man of the match for me, even though he just played 45 minutes. He changed. It's hard to know what, what actually changed at halftime. Was it a motivational speech for a play, from a player or Pochettino? Was it a tactical change? Or was it Abdul Diallo? It could be a sort of a combination of all of them, really. But just... Diallo, amazing. Let, let me let me press you on Diallo for a second. Let's say in the next round, whoever it is we play, maybe Bernat is ready to go. Would you play Diallo over Bernat, or you bring in Bernat right into the starting lineup, or do you got to see how he plays maybe in some league on matches? Um, both, as well as depend uh, as depending on who we face. Uh, will we face a very attacking uh, sort of right flank? I would probably play Diallo. I would not play uh, Levan Kosava in that. And, uh, uh, yeah, I would, <laughs> wouldn't play him. Bernat is so hard to know. I, I'm not even sure if we can register him for the Champions League rounds in. Mm, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I, 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 I don't know uh, the rules there. But yeah, no, the other the was great. Uh, Danilo was surprised. I, I, I've been mean to Danilo Freira. <laughs> I've been really. Uh, and like he, he did all right i just i just don't want him as a signing i think it's uh, considering his age and profile uh but but he did well uh offered some sort of positional stability who else did we have uh, di maria yeah um what di maria did you, you guys touched on it before but what he does is he, he's so comfortable with the ball he's one of the best in the world at just holding on to the ball and not letting uh, your opponents get to it. And when you have a, an opponent chasing the game, what you want is a player who's press resistant and who can just slow down the pace, just break up the break up yeah. the momentum. Uh, that, that was uh, what Verratti failed at a lot of, uh, for quite big chunks today, I think. Uh, but the, uh, Di Maria did uh, very, very well. Well, that's what's interesting is that... that you needed a player that could hold on to the ball to waste some time and have the other team chase him around. And why play Draxler instead of Di Maria? Draxler's okay, but he's not as good at that as Di Maria is. If you're trying to waste time and keep possession, you need the best ball handlers that you can have on the pitch. And we left one on the bench for most of the game. It just seems yeah. like an odd decision. I'm yeah. very curious about his fitness, though. 
you know, just his overall fitness level. Very curious in terms of how fit he is. One, two, I think to your point of just, you know, his ball handling ability, the fact that he was able to just soak up so much pressure, it left a lot of open space for other players to really get on the ball and have enough space to kind of like focus themselves around. And I think that's something that Paredes can do from time to time, but I think his, his, his game today just wasn't what it needed to be. And he ended up getting a yellow and now he's out the next round. It's just, you know, a regression to a, to a degree. The game flew past him at the first half. Paredes. Just, and he it, was stuck in, in the sand and just, yeah. 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 That was kind of a bummer from Paredes. I was hoping for a lot from him, but you know, variety was able to get off and he didn't uh, pick up any yellow cards or red cards and, He'll be available. I mean, that's something you can't always say. Now, knock on wood, you know, there's always injuries, but we we got out of that tie without him picking up any yellow cards, so that was that was good. Um, as the second half went on, you guys were right. Their subs did open things up. There were some lanes to pass, but the players were just so damn tired from chasing Barcelona for the whole game. And so I think it was one instance where Mbappe had a great run, and he's just so tired at the end. He just, like, slashed at the shot, and it went over the crossbar. But... I wanted to ask you guys, like, at what point did you feel like, okay, we got this? I was sweating bullets probably until they showed, like, the extra time. And I was like, okay, they can't score three in this little bit of time. But at what point did you feel we've got this? Um, we can go with James. Um, when Barcelona emptied the bench. When Barcelona emptied the bench, um, I felt like they were going to give it one more go. Um, I forget what, what minute that happened, so forgive me, but... I just saw that as um, a waving of the of the flag to a degree. Like, let's give it one more shot with these folks, um, with these guys. But at that point, just kind of doing the math in terms of like how many they needed to score, how long we could possibly hold up possession. Um, I was a little bit scared of like how much extra time we were going to have on the clock, uh, just because Acardi was down for a little while. Um, you know, I think Dest was oh, Dest was down the first half, uh, but the Cardi was down for a little while. Um, so I was just kind of nervous around how much extra time they were going to put on the clock. Um, and then Messi like came running into the goal, and I was like, oh my god! Yeah, here it comes. Yeah, I think it was like the 78th, 79th minute. They brought in Pjanic, which Carl and I agree is a great last name, great just overall name. And then they brought in a kid named Ilax, another great name. Barcelona's got a lot of players with great names. I don't know how good they are, but um, Carl, when did you start feeling comfortable with the game that we that PSG were going to advance? So my sort of emotional tactics were divided the half into three chunks of 15 minutes each because Barcelona. Were- Barca had to score three goals, right? So, like, I, if they don't score in the first 15 minutes, we're sort of ahead of the uh, ratio there. So, but I think around, like, this, I want to say, like, the 78th minute, I started to be able to look at my phone and tweet again, which is sort of the time where, like, the curve is, like, it's, my nervousness is going down. Uh, but, yeah, no, I mean... Around at like 88th, I was very sure. Like three, they th- can score three goals. Uh, so around there, and on on the name front, I mean Martin Braithwaite. He's also Danish, which I, I don't get. Like from from a Swiss perspective, how he can be named Braithwaite uh, is pretty interesting. But yeah, great name. And he used to play at Toulouse, I believe, right? 
Braithwaite? I think so. Yeah. Pretty sure. What a journey from Toulouse to Barcelona. Um, okay. Um, you know, PSG are now they're through to the next round. We don't quite know um, who PSG will play. But just looking at the, the ties remaining, who you think might go through, I just in general, is, it, is there a team or a storyline that you're hoping for? Are you hoping for a rematch against Tuchel? Uh, if he can get through past Atletico, are you hoping for a rematch against Bayern Munich? Is it Manchester City? That one has some geopolitical ties to it. What what team storyline are you guys looking for? We'll go with James. Um, I, to be honest, I want us to play Porto. Like I really do. Like I just like let's just have. And not so we can coast, but just so that we can build up the quality that we'll need in the later rounds. Um, because I do think that they would present a very unique challenge. Um, but odds are we'll probably get like Dortmund, you know, because it's like storyline there, which will be cool because I do like, so I'm a, uh, a converted Halan believer. Don't get me started. Um, I was no. like, I was his biggest critic, man, and he's just—he's different. It's—it's it's Mbappe and Helan's error, period. And so I think that would be the storyline. I think some—we won't get City because I—I I don't know. Like we just won't. It just won't happen. Um, but it'll probably be like Dortmund. I don't think they will allow us to have Bayern so soon uh, because they don't like that's not going to happen. Uh, so I think it'll probably be Dortmund. I, it may be Liverpool, but odds are it'll be Dortmund just because, like, yeah. everyone wants that storyline. And I'd be interested to see that rematch over two legs now. The social media uh, banter itself would be great before, between the admin at Dortmund and ours and all the fans. I think that would be a, a great match mm-hmm. over, over two legs. I think that would be a, a high-scoring match um, because Dortmund, they're going to give up some goals. I think Halan's going to be a monster. And, and so I think you'll get some really great quality out of that match. And it'll just be good because those two teams will be really fired up to just match up against each other. Yeah. Um, Carl, I mean, I didn't even think of that storyline, but uh, James just shouted that out. Dortmund, I mean, Liverpool, they're now through that winning over Leipzig. You got Mbappe maybe rumored to go there. Same thing with Real Madrid. Mbappe going to the Bernabeu. Every single team that we could play, I mean, it would just be huge. Is there one that you're looking forward to? Um, this season is so weird. Like, it, it more than any other year, it feels like anything can happen due to everything. Just ha- you know, like no, no fans in the stadiums, players being physically drained after uh, not having proper rest during the summer. Uh, and any team can truly beat any team over uh, 180 minutes. So what I want is as an easy journey as possible to the semis. Uh, so like Porto, even though like they're good, they're obviously good. They they beat Juventus over two legs. Uh, Oliveira, uh, I ha- actually haven't seen him play before, but I watched him yesterday and it was great. Uh, so beautiful, oh, beautiful. Respect respect to Porto, but. Just looking at the other teams, they're probably the weakest uh, on paper. Uh, so that, um, from that perspective, those are the ones I would choose. And, I mean, I know you love uh, Aling Bratolan. Uh, he's just... Uh, <laughs> I, I would love yeah. to face him. And I, I, liked, uh, I think it would be a really fun game. Uh, Dortmund are terrible defensively. 
uh, and we are not as good defensively as we used to be. Uh, so, as James said, it would be a high-scoring game. A uh, lot of, I mean, the roster, Dortmund's attacking roster is just so exciting. Uh, just young players everywhere doing their best, just going at it. Uh, yeah, I think, and, I think we have to accept that this thing is rigged. I think let's all just agree <laughs> to that. This thing is rigged. It's a television show. They want the best matchups. And yeah, I, I think I think you guys are right. It's probably going to be Dortmund and PSG. They want Mbappe, Haaland to go head-to-head. I mean, oh, yeah. it'll be one of the most watched football games probably the last decade when these two uh, massive players, young players, go head-to-head. So yeah, I, I think that's the TV show that the UEFA uh, producers want to see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead, James. And nope. And we'll look back on this time and this era like, oh, my God, can you believe when these two used to go head up, you know, every year? It's like one of those things where you don't realize that you're in the era when it's happening until like after or like close to the tail end. Um, And I think, you know, there's some legacy there in terms of like PSG versus Chelsea and Tuchel, but like, I don't care. You know, like he's doing great over in Chelsea. They love them. We're doing fine over here. Like that's not that's not as enthralling as look at the next two superstars that are going to take this this game over. Let's have them go head up. Like that's the that's the narrative right there. What I will say about the sort of no not not just if we just look at uh, Kylian Mbappe and uh, uh, Alain Holland is it, it that rivalry feels a bit forced. I mean, you had Messi, you had Ronaldo for so many years. It doesn't really feel the same uh, in terms of just sort of not, not hatred, but pure rivalry. Uh, I think both players have sort of immense respect for each other, even though they're pretty young. Everything they've said in interviews just points to sort of mutual respect. And you, you, you won't have a Dortmund and a PSG facing off each other uh, in... The same way that uh, we you had a classical for so so many years, but yeah. it is, is a very exciting time nonetheless. And if they were to move to like Barca and Real respectively, sure, then you could have that discussion. Yeah, and that's the speculation, but who knows what Mbappe is going to do? His contract, you know, a couple years left on it. Maybe he resigns. Maybe he doesn't. I believe Alondo, and I love the way, Carlo, that you say it. You say it so much better than I do. But I, I think his buyout is, like, pretty cheap. I think his dad made sure that he would be able to get out of there for a reasonable price to whatever team he wanted to. So he'll probably, right, he'll be on the move this summer. Or, it's hard, like, given the, the financial situation now, it's, it's hard to know if I mean, anyone can just, or uh, can afford him or just uh, keep their heads above water, really. Uh, but, but, yeah, it, within a season or two, He'll leave for uh, for a quote unquote bigger bigger club, probably. See, I feel like I have a lot of power with this because a long time ago, before we did the the draw, I was like, I want Barca, and then it happened. So like, I feel like I have a lot of pressure. If I say I want a team, and I know James, you kind of poo pooed it a little bit. I kind of would like to see Chelsea, Thiago Silva, Tuchel coming back. You know, there was a kind of war of words uh, between Leonardo and Tuchel. I think that one can get a little. Feisty. I kind of would like to see that. I'm not gonna lie. You might lose. <laughs> yeah. Chelsea are pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. You might lose that tie. I'm you, just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Tuchel is so good defensively. So, I mean, it, everything, anything could happen. Okay, we almost lost against Barcelona. You got to be the best. You got to beat the best. And if it's Chelsea, whatever, I would be mad against playing Dortmund. I think we could actually probably have an easier route. I think Porto, Dortmund, those are kind of on the lower tier of teams that we could probably play and advance past. I mean, if you draw Bayern, I think you're in big trouble. It's over. Yeah, I think that's, it's over. Anyone but Bayern, I think, would be good. I mean, I would say Man City is the best team in Europe right now. They, they're far exceeding <laughs> They just uh, lost Bayern. to Manchester United, though. I know, but the thing like Manchester United always beats the other big team. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it. Uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer does something special in those games. I'm not sure what he does. But like it, Man City are really, really, really good this season. Uh, Bayern have been shaky and has, have, has every big team. Man City is probably the only one that's sort of kept it together. Um, they yeah. should just go at each other and just like, you know, yeah, you whatever comes out of that. So, like we don't have to go through that path because right. <laughs> exactly um coming up on the end of the show here but i do want to get your thoughts on messi we talked about his brilliant goal this could be his last champions league game for barcelona a lot of rumors where he'll go there's a new president at barcelona said he's committed to try to keep him there but from what you saw tonight i mean do you think psg should make a run at him there's not going to be a transfer fee so you're looking at just his wages i say just you know they're pretty astronomical but i mean do, do you think this is Messi's last Champions League game for Barcelona. Do you think PSG will make a run, Carl? Um, do I do I think or do I want to? I'm not sure. Uh, I think. Well, both. Do you what, think it'll happen, what, and do you want it to happen? So, um, what's the president's name? Laporta. La, Laporta. I think something so, yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, uh, sort of that that was Messi's pick for president. Uh, and the speculation I've heard from sort of the pundits talking tonight was that uh, sort of that increases his chances of him staying. I'm not that that well read up on it, honestly. Uh, I, w- I wouldn't want it to happen. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm sort of an advocate for not buying uh, players older than sort of 28. Uh, just sort of like future-proof your squad. As I said, he's the best play- for me, he's the best player ever. Amazing, amazing, amazing player. But is I, I mean, he's turning 34 this year. I'm not 100% sure that I'm quoting, quoting on that. Uh, but it's just not the right time for go to go go for him. Um, you already have Neymar in the squad. You have Kylian Mbappé. You have Verratti. Uh, I would invest that money in other uh, parts of the squad. Just sort of filling out, yeah. uh, getting another really good midfielder uh, would be uh, my preference. Uh, James, what do you think? Neymar wants him to come. PSG could use the extra jersey sale money. New, you know, Jordan kit coming out next season. Messi on the back would just be a beautiful thing. Do you think it'll happen, or you think they'll pass and either let Barcelona or City fight over him? Um, I actually don't think Messi's going anywhere, to be honest. Um, I think the teams that can afford him. Um, PSG is uh, PSG made it to the Champions League final last year. Like it, it you know, and 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 got beat by a goal by a world-beating team that, like, won everything that year. Like, you can build from that. You know, I think there were rumors about him potentially going to City, but why would City, you know, bring in Messi when they can, you know, buy Halan? Yeah. Like, why, you know, he's younger and he's cheaper and you can build around him and you already have a system. Like, why on earth? 
would I do that? You know, so I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it was nice to kind of rouse up the fans. I think Messi is kind of known for saying, hey, I'm leaving and then I'm back. You know, so I think they just need to build around him for the time that they do have him because he is still really, really good. You know, he's still who he is, which is incredible, as all phenoms are. And so I don't think he's going anywhere, especially they got this new president in here. You know, it's not it's not happening. And I don't think PSG should even waste their time entertaining something like that. You know, when we have Mbappe that we have to still figure out in terms of is he going to stay or not? And if he decides to leave, how are we going to fill that gap? You don't fill that gap with, you know, a 34-year-old man. You fill that gap with multiple players who have youth on their side and who can build, buy into a system um, that Pochettino's creating. I mean, you have to remember those Tottenham teams coached by Pochettino, they were good and they didn't have like the world beater folks on that team. You know, they just built a culture of, you know, attacking football. And I think we can do the same thing. Uh, Neymar was a blessing and Mbappe was a blessing, you know, but I don't think that we need to build our culture around getting the mega top talent every time and, you know, busting our balls in order to spend all these wages and all these transfer fees to bring in these players because we still need a central defending midfielder who's tall and strong. Like we still need that. We still have to figure out what we're going to do after Kayla Navas. Adrian Rabio. Like Oh my God. <laughs> he had a goal. The other he did. Scenario, by the way. <laughs> he I had a goal and then he lost the, the match racing. So. I still, I still Can I add that. something on? Yeah, go Carl. Yeah. So just very quickly, I know this is a piece of cheat. Uh, talk podcast, but just quickly on Barcelona and Messi. Um, they are in a sort of difficult spot right now, but they have great youngsters coming through. I mean, Pedri has been amazing over these two games. He's been really, really, really good. I'm so impressed by him. Trincao has come on for both in both games and looked lively. They have Ansu Fadi coming on, who's one of the best sort of youngsters in the world. Uh, so if they can keep Messi for two more seasons before he goes back to Argentina or something, something like that, he can help them sort of get through that sort of middle stage uh, and possibly sort of press on and actually sort of world leaders or uh, like big stars. Uh, so I, if I was Barca, I would just keep him on, keep him on uh, make him help all the, the, the youngsters uh, in the squad. Yeah, the only thing I just don't know if they can afford his wages. I mean, Messi probably doesn't want to take a pay cut. But Pedri, no. uh, he he's been phenomenal. Um, I think Mbappe got his jersey. I, th- I think someone tweeted that out. So, um, yeah. Go ahead. Did you, did you, did you want to add something? Yeah, you know who jersey he didn't get? <laughs> Frankie <laughs> De Jong. <laughs> didn't get Frankie De Jong. I wonder why. I'm never gonna give up on this on this trip about Frankie De Jong. Mm. Like he should be a PSG player, and he chose wrong. Mm-hmm. And here we are. And not only him, uh, <laughs> Delic, right at Juventus, he's out. So you, two players. Oh, that, he chose. Yeah, chose wrong. Chose, chose wrong. Should have came to chose PSG. Wrong, You'd be moving on. Hate to see it. Hate to see it. <laughs> Enjoy that it's Nike money. Um, looking ahead, oh, yeah. um, what are you guys just real quick? What are you guys expecting from PSG Nantes on Sunday? Another letdown like what we had against Monaco. We lost right after we beat Barcelona. Or do you think this team will come out and be like, all right, we're better than what we showed. Let's go out and put seven past this relegation threat inside. Anybody? James? Oh, I'll go. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I, again, like I said at the top of the podcast, I think that when PSG played Barcelona over two legs in the Champions League, there's a certain mentality that occurs that, you know, they have to somehow overcome and it's still like in the back of their minds. I think the game would not so be fine, especially because we need to win these matches to win this league. I think they'll be just fine. Um, I, I hope Keane is back by then. I don't know yeah. where he's at in, in his quarantine, but um, hopefully he'll be back because I, I, I love his game. You know, we're st- spending all this time talking about signing Messi. We need to sign Keane. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's amazing, man. Everton fans so, said they'll we'll take $50 million in a case of red wine and, and we can keep them. So, Leonardo, make Please. the deal. Please. Please. But yeah, I think we'll be fine uh, for, for not, you know. I don't think it'll be an issue. And then Carl, I mean, Nance, and then we've got Leon and, and Leo, um, the, the league leaders, um, right up there in League Gun. So this is a pivotal time. There's no time to sit back and be like, yeah. okay, we won. I mean, they got a foot on the pedal and keep it going, right? Yeah, so two, two things. First, uh, just on Nance. Uh, second to last on the table have been atrocious uh for most part of the season uh they had, had dominic coming in which was just reviving him from the dead it was interesting of course got uh, Antoine Kumbare now uh ex psg coach uh and player so i expect us to win the, that game quite comfortably to be honest even despite the champions league uh uh, sort of hangover. Of, yeah, hangover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but what I will say domestically is you've seen sort of a, after the last two, was it Lorient? Or did we lose to someone else after that? Yeah, uh, we lost to Monaco. Yeah, Monaco. it was Monaco. Uh, yeah. You really yeah. saw a, so you, us fans got a, got a bit scared. Uh, I, I, I panicked. Uh, I'll hold my hand up. Uh, but you saw, so I haven't seen this sort of determination domestically uh from psg since then uh you've had players talking about it like it's almost as important as the champions league uh and they sort of been doing this countdown right uh sort of counting down the last 12 games whatever you see them posting on social media so they're amped up for every league on game uh and i expect them to go hard um, we'll see. Like Lyon, Lille will offer a good, uh, a good fight. So we'll see. It's hard to know. I mean, there are no, there are no farmers. Uh, neither are none. But uh, I mean, there are no farmers. Team. I like that. It's gonna be fun. I mean, rarely at this stage of the season do we get exciting uh, domestic league games. So I'm looking forward to covering it, talking about it, all that, and hopefully PSG can pull this off. You were right. After that loss to Monaco, we were like. PSG are in serious trouble of not qualifying for the oh, yeah. Champions League. I mean, it was it was a serious concern. Um, so we'll see what that uh, entail, what that brings. Hopefully, PSG can keep it together. But guys, let's go ahead and get out of here. Thank you so much for your time, Carl. How, let's we did this on the other podcast, and I thought I'd ask you guys. So let people know how they can find you on social media, on Twitter, wherever, and then share one non-football either TV show or movie that you saw recently that you want to recommend. I know I could for something other than football right now because I'm like i just, I'm t- I can't. After that game today, I need something to just decompress. So, Carl, uh, social and then something you, you're yeah. watching. So, social, uh, it's C-O-K-L-S-S-T-R-M. 
Good luck with that one. Uh, in terms of the TV shows, I just finished uh, One Edition, uh, Marvel's great uh, show over there. What I love right now is that they just released uh, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine Nine, and uh, The Office in, on Swedish Netflix. So I'm sort of switching between those. I've, I've known about them, but I haven't really watched them since they haven't been available. But uh, I'm really digging Amy Poehler and Chris Pratt and Parks and Rec right now. So is that the American late. version of The Office? Because Michael Scott is he holds yeah. a special place it's, in my heart. Uh, it's Steve, Steve, Steve Carell okay. uh, and uh, John Krasinski and that kind of all, all those guys. All right, and then James, over to you. Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, it's underscore JCJ. Uh, so feel free to reach out. Uh, I'll be on there celebrating a little bit. Well, probably not. Uh, this game wasn't that good. Yeah. Um, so, uh, something I'm watching right now. So Snowfall, at the time of this recording, it will be on tonight. And it's a really good season so far. It's on FX and Hulu. I should be getting paid for this ad from <laughs> FX right now. Yes. I just like gave up the, <laughs> all of the all of the creds on it. Uh, so yeah, it's a really good show. And um, yeah, good stuff. I'm gonna check out all of that. I'm, I I watch The Office pretty much every day, but Parks and Rec, I, I could go for a rewatch of that. Um, you can find me. I'm at PSG Talk. I'm usually the only one who tweets, even though some people think it's Mark Damon sometimes, but it's always me. Even the ridiculous things, all the halan slander, that's me. Direct your hate tweets at me. Um, something I'm watching, um, I recently watched, I live in, in Utah, so of course, Mormons. And uh, there was this Netflix show called Murder Among the Mormons. Really interesting documentaries, like three episodes. It's all about historical documents and, and blowing people up, and it's, it's a real story. So if you kind of like documentaries and murder, mystery, and intrigue, and all that kind of stuff, it's really interesting. Check it out. Um, all right, guys. Well, PSG are through to the next round. We'll celebrate a little bit, but back to back to work this Sunday against Nantes. So uh, we'll, we'll probably do another podcast. We'll give a couple games, and then we'll, we'll check in with everyone. So thank you, as always, for listening. We'll catch you next time.